Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Hey, guess what? We're not number one. Um, yeah, sorry to be the bearer of these tidings. Really, I'm not. That's what I do. Um, ranked in the top of this year's index for world press freedom, the United, no, Norway. Bleeding, bleeding bloody Norway, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm saying to you. Finland took second place from the Netherlands. Woo, that was a squeaker. Finland's up there in, in all these measurements, isn't it? But it's cold. An increase in cyber harassment caused Sweden, third, to lose one place. And it's still cold. In Africa, Ethiopia shot up from, uh, well, up 40 positions to 110th. Only 24% of the 180 countries and territories are classified as good. This is a uh, a chart comprised, uh, composed by the um, organization Reporters Without Borders. Good or fairly good, as opposed to 26% last year. So down 2% of the countries classified as either good or fairly good. The United States fell three places in this year's index. We are number 48. The media climate here is now classified as, quote, problematic, unquote. Never before have so many U.S. journalists been subjected to death threats or turned so often to private security firms for protection. Who knew? Of all the world's regions, it is the Americas, North and South, suffering the greatest deterioration in its regional score, measuring the level of press freedom constraints and violations, 3.6%, not just due to the poor performance, they say, of the United States, Brazil and Venezuela. Nicaragua fell 24 places. Nicaraguan journalists covering protests against President Ortega's government are treated as protesters and are often physically attacked. Many had to flee abroad to avoid being jailed on terrorism charges. And, of course, this hemisphere is one of the world's deadliest countries in it for the media. Mexico, where at least 10 journalists were murdered just last year. European Union and the Balkans registered the second biggest deterioration in its regional score. Press freedom is respected the most in those areas, European Union and Balkans, and which is in principle the safest, but journalists are nonetheless exposed to serious threats. Murder in Malta, sounds like a movie, Slovakia and Bulgaria, verbal and physical attacks in Serbia and Montenegro, and an unprecedented level of violence in France during the Yellow Vest protests. Hungary, down 14 points at 87. Officials and Prime Minister Viktor Orban's Increasingly autocratic governing party, Fidesz, continues to, continue to refuse to speak to journalists who are not from Fidesz-friendly media. In Poland, also increasingly autocratic, the state-owned media have been turned into propaganda tools and are increasingly used to harass journalists. But 
The good news, ladies and gentlemen, such as it is, is we're not number one. I raise a glass to you. Hello, welcome to the show. Santa Monica, California, home of the homeless. And the competition this year is really, really tight for that honor. But Santa Monica wins it again. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, what kind of a world is it? Smart. Just how smart? 
Well, you know those uh, ride-sharing services, Uber and Lyft, that are supposed to make uh, transportation so much smarter in our cities? Well, if, if smart means more traffic, they're doing that. A new study suggests the biggest culprit in increasing traffic in San Francisco from 2010 to 2016 were Uber and Lyft cars. Uber and Lyft, nutty coincidence, both headquartered in San Francisco. Home is where the crap is. The new findings based on a computer model that simulated the speed of traffic with Uber and Lyft vehicles removed echo those of a similar study in New York. This is according to Science Magazine. Science! A comparison of traffic speeds from 2010, before ride-sharing apps were widely used with 2016, shows the time cars spent sitting in San Francisco traffic increased by 69%. But that's some good sitting. Uh, well, you don't need to know there. Methodology, do you? Except that um, Uber and Lyft did not and do not make public how many cars they have on the street. So the researchers used a program that had thousands of ghost users pinging Uber and Lyft apps every five seconds for six weeks, revealing the locations of nearby drivers. You got pinged, baby! Without Uber and Lyft cars, the model estimated just a 22% increase in traffic delays during the six-year period, suggesting ride-sharing companies were responsible for more than half of San Francisco's real-world traffic increases. Remainder, growth in population and employment, which uh, grew by 70,000 people and 150,000 jobs. Many of them working at Uber and Lyft. You see, Uber and Lyft have long said their services may relieve urban congestion. Uber did not respond to a request for comment. A spokesperson for Lyft said the study does not adequately account for traffic growth because of tourism or delivery services like Amazon. And Uber Eats. Don't forget Uber Eats. Don't forget Uber Eats. But where do you go when you go home in a smart world? Why you go to a smart house? Google used its annual developer conference this week to unveil a smart display, according to the Financial Times, that uses facial recognition to offer users personalized information, including messages, calendar entries, and recommendations of music and videos. They need to see your face to recommend videos for you. This technology is part of an upgraded smart speaker that features a larger screen, better sound, and video calling. Part of the Nest Hub Max. <laughs> hey, Google, rename your thing. It's part of a broader push to get the digital assistant into more homes. Google's assistant and the whole panoply of surveillance equipment appended thereto came out after Amazon's Alexa. The new device pushes the boundaries for the acceptance of facial recognition systems in the home at a time when people are getting hip to the whole privacy thing. Face scanning cameras have become widespread in smartphones, but the technology has been criticized for its application in public. Google believes that convenience will trump such concerns, aided by a new set of privacy commitments designed for smart home devices. 
and you know you can take those commitments to the bank, the Google Bank. To allay potential privacy concerns, Google's face match camera processes image recognition on the device rather than sending the data to the cloud. That's what it does with Nest security cameras, the ones outside your house. Customers will have to opt in, opt in to facial recognition. Once a person is recognized, they will have to tap the d- touchscreen of the device to show their personalized information. It's all being rebranded as Nest since Google bought Nest. The rebranding comes with a prompt for Nest customers to merge their user accounts with their Google accounts. We want to make sure we're seamlessly integrating these devices, said Rishi Chandra, Vice President General Manager of Home and Nest. They didn't integrate them in the name of the division yet. For some customers, merging Nest data could include years of information on a family's comings and goings, home energy usage, and security camera video recordings. Google has pledged not to use that information for advertising. That data will never be used for ads personalization, Chandra said. And then he was corrected by a member of Google's PR team. He added, we can, say ne- we can never say never, but the commitment we are making is it is not being used. Google is hoping to recapture some of the trust it lost this year when it emerged that its Nest security hub included a secret microphone. Chandra conceded it was a mistake, his word, not to inform customers when it went on sale. Hey, you know, ladies and gentlemen, here at Le Show, our highest priority is your safety. It means nothing to us, but it's our highest priority. Can't do anything about it. So, Meanwhile, Amazon doesn't need to hear your voice recordings to know what you've said. It can read them. After Alexa hears its wake word, the smart assistant starts listening and transcribes everything it hears. You can see text next to the recordings when you check your Alexa dialogue history. Amazon lets you delete the recordings, giving you a kind of a kind of a kind of a sense of privacy, according to CNET. But the company still has that data as a text log. The transcribed audio lives on its servers in the cloud, which is really a server on the ground. No option exists for you to delete the text files. Amazon said it erases the text transcripts from Alexa's quote main system. It is working on removing them from other areas where the data can travel. The new finding comes as privacy concerns keep rising. People are finding, according to CNET, the options companies offer are not really doing the trick. In April, just last month, Facebook admitted it still tracked people after they deactivated their accounts. Says Teresa Payton, a former White House chief information officer and founder of a security cybersecurity company, Here's what I tell all of our business executives and consumers. Delete is never really delete. Delete just means you can't see it anymore. Man, that's smart. Now, news of the land of 15,000 princes. Our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Oh, oh. The French government 
confirmed this week that a new shipment of weapons was going to head for Saudi Arabia, despite claims that Riyadh is using the arms in the Yemen war. The French Minister of the Armed Forces told television station in France the weapons would be loaded onto a Saudi cargo ship this week in the French port of Le Havre. She refused to identify the types of arms, but reiterated France's stance, or stances France, that they've been only used for defensive purposes by Saudi Arabia since it began its Yemen offensive, extremely offensive, in 2015. As far as the French government is aware, we have no proof that the victims in Yemen are the result of use of French weapons, she said. Florence, parley. Pressure has been mounting on the government after the investigative news site disclosed leaked a classified military note last month detailing the use of French tanks and, mil- and artillery in the war against the Houthi rebels. Disclose alleged the new shipment included eight truck-mounted howitzers, government source told Agence France Presse this week that such cannons were not part of the delivery. Rights groups have accused France of being complicit in alleged war crimes against civilians in Yemen. Around 10,000 people there have died. Millions have been forced to the brink of starvation. And later in the week, a Saudi vessel that was due to load those weapons at a northern French port set sail without them, headed towards Spain. A day after a rights group tried to block the cargo on humanitarian grounds, a French judge threw out the complaint of the Action for the Abolition of Torture group, but the ship moved off the coast of Le Havre shortly after. It was not immediately clear what caused the change of plan. Ah, the French. Now, news of Nice Corp. And we really learned this week that despite his hastily granted American citizenship so that he could buy enough television stations legally to start the Fox network. Rupert Murdoch really, really doesn't buy into the whole American thing because he doesn't believe that big is, is bigger is better. That was proved this year when he sold off huge chunk of Nice Corp to Disney and uh, this month introduced his new slimmer company, Fox Corp. I still call it Nice Corp. It was originally called News Corp, of course. He said the slimmed-down company will be a Wall Street growth story. Well, it's a lot easier to grow when you're small than when you're big. He figured that out. He decided to sell most of his Hollywood assets to Disney, he said in New York, in order to make the most out of all he'd assembled over the past few decades. Quote, We were pivoting at a pivotal moment while staying true, of course, to our principles and our purpose. Yes, I quoted Rupert Murdoch saying there were principles, but also they were pivoting at a pivotal moment. What what better moment to pivot? He says um, the old 20th Century Fox studio and other assets are better off under Disney in order to achieve scale rather than struggle to compete against the deep pockets of the tech giants moving into video. Oh, didn't have the stomach for a fight. The remaining businesses, 
Fox Broadcasting, Fox News, and Fox Sports will be energized with new focus and resources. Where's that money coming from? Quote, a good deal of our efforts are focused on simplifying a good deal of our structure. He said, we could see the shift coming in media and the danger to the industry. Unquote. The danger was he couldn't dominate it anymore. And yes, people have asked me, how do you, how do you get away with saying that stuff about the guy you work for? The answer, as of um, last month, I don't work for him anymore. And now... I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir, you. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. New research published in the journal Frontiers in Earth Science this month reveals microplastics often accumulate on the deep sea floor. you got to go somewhere in the same place as diverse and, de- and dense marine life communities. This is because the same submarine sediment flows that transfer vital oxygen and nutrients needed to sustain life also transport microplastics from urban rivers to the deep sea floor via submarine canyons. The blue planet effect, so-called, has caused an increase in public concern with uh, the impact of plastics in our oceans. Despite this, only around 1% of the plastic in the ocean floats on its surface. Most of the rest sinks down to the seabed. Down to the bed. Due to their small size, microplastics are incredibly hard to track. The relative abundance of them in submarine canyons and deep sea trenches suggests that delivery of microplastics to the sea floor is strongly controlled by gravity currents and by settling from the water from the surface through water columns. The lead author of the paper from the University of Manchester said microplastics have been found in nearly all environments on our planet, yet we only have a very limited idea of how they are transported, particularly in the deep sea. There's a pressing need to get more data what did you say, sir? More data. More data. We need more data. Come on. More data. More data. Huh? Get some data for me. More data. More data. More data. We need more. More. Okay, here's more. Scientists have discovered plastic in the stomachs of baby fish off the big island of Hawaii. An alarming find, according to Hawaii News Now, that could have significant ramifications for the entire food web. It's not the World Wide Web. This is one you don't need. Um, you don't need to sign into the food web. You're in it by by birth. The discovery was made during a large NOAA project aimed at studying fish nurseries off Hawaii Island. Researchers wanted to look at what type of fish live in the nurseries and what they eat. Well, sir, they're eating microplastics, and there's some concern that could kill them. Scientists said plastic was everywhere in the nurseries, much like ours. Most of it was tiny, pieces no bigger than a fraction of an inch. Well, they're baby fish. Some of it was so small it could only be seen with a microscope or or a baby fish eye. A lot of time we found more plastic than fish, said a NOAA biologist. They found tiny little bits of plastic in the gullets of all types of baby fish. They did that with dissections. Ugh. In fact, of the nine different types of baby fish they looked at, eight had plastic in their stomachs. This all was outlined in an article in the most recent issue of National Geographic. It's under review by a scientific journal. 
The findings underscore the scale of the plastics problem in the world's oceans. A a NOAA oceanographer said this is the first time scientists have confirmed that larval or just-hatched fish from tropical ecosystems are ingesting plastics. Baby fish are at a vulnerable stage. Yeah, they're babies. And researchers don't yet know what consuming microplastics could mean for their chances of survival. If plastic kills baby fish at high rates, it could have widespread impacts on Hawaii fisheries. Another unknown question, how are the microplastics that baby fish consume affecting the food chain? Could they accumulate in bigger prey? Or are the baby fish happier eating plastic? Are they even asking that question? A machine built to filter microplastics from the sand on one of Hawaii's dirtiest beaches has been delivered to Hawaii Island. That kicks off a collaboration between the University of Hawaii at Hilo and the Hawaii Wildlife Fund and engineering students from Sherbrooke University in Quebec, Canada. I said Canada. The machine is designed to filter out microplastics while allowing natural sand and rocks to pass through on the Big Island, you know, where there's tourism at stake. Just one word, just one word, microplastics. Now, news of the godly. Well, Pope Francis, the talking pope, has issued a groundbreaking, according to the Associated Press, new law this week. It requires all Catholic priests and nuns around the world to report clergy sexual abuse and cover-ups by their superiors to the local... No, no, to church authorities. This is a new effort to hold the Catholic hierarchy accountable for failing to protect their flocks from being, you know, fleeced. The law provides whistleblower protections for anyone making a report, requires all dioceses to have a system in place to receive the claims confidentially. It outlines internal procedures for conducting preliminary investigations when the accused is a bishop, cardinal, or religious superior. Abuse victims and their advocates said the law was a step forward, but not enough. It doesn't require the crimes to be reported to police. It essentially, according to them, tasks discredited bishops who have mishandled abuse for decades with policing their own. Only in the Catholic Church, or only in the Church generally, I'm not going to pick on the Catholic Church, would that be regarded as a step forward. Every time I hear that metal saxophone 
From Santa Monica, California, this is Le Show. Whence now we bring you, again, at least partially, in response to all the folks who tweet me and say, hey, this nuclear waste thing, it's, you know, it's, it's a snap of the fingers and you solve it. We bring you news of our friend the Atom. Save 
Well, maybe the solution is not to let humans deal with nuclear waste at all. See what I'm saying? Let's call in the robots. Britain's National Center for Nuclear Robotics, they got it one. It's developing machine vision, artificial intelligence, and advanced robots, not those retarded, I mean these special needs robots, to de- decommission the country's 4.9 million tons of nuclear waste. That's little old Britain, 4.9 million tons. I'd call a robot. Launched last year, the NCNR is a consortium of eight universities led by the University of Birmingham. Birmingham! And is backed by $55 million of funding. Its primary mission is to develop robotic solutions that can characterize, handle, and decommission the huge amounts of waste generated by the nuclear industry since the early 1950s, according to theengineer.co.uk. Must be website run by engineers don't you think using current technology the cleanup would take 120 years and an estimated 1 million human entries into contaminated zones with a cost of approximately 305 billion dollars according to the ncnr developing robots capable of taking up the task is a necessity for a number of reasons Quote, there's a large amount of radioactive waste that humans can't go near at all, said the co-director. And where we have technology that's now becoming capable to do the complex things that human workers do, we have an ethical and moral obligation to stop using humans in those roles. We don't send Victorian children up chimneys anymore. It's not socially acceptable. Unquote. Yeah, but it made for those great Dickens... Where humans can deal with nuclear waste, they must be fitted out in air-fed plastic suits, usually wearing multiple layers and gloves for protection. They must often also operate heavy tools such as disc grinders for dismantling the metal piping and containers that make up much of the legacy waste. It's tiring and dangerous work limited to just a couple of hours at a time. And for every barrel of high-level nuclear waste that is decommissioned, 11 further barrels of secondary waste, contaminated suits and gloves, is created. Using machines would help cut down on the secondary waste. The sector has largely proved, up to now, resistant to the adoption of robotics. Nuclear is a profoundly unroboticized, unrobotized, unrobotized industry, said the head of Birmingham's Extreme Robotics Lab, The reason you've been able to have this robotics revolution in manufacturing is because manufacturing is a very structured, constrained, precise environment, he says. Conversely, nuclear waste is completely unstructured. Therein lies the challenge. Therein, and of course, the um, (laughs) thousands of years of um, radioactivity. That would be, that's a challenge too. Come on. TEPCO over in Japan plans to start work this week to dismantle a 393-foot-tall, highly contaminated chimney. Why? Because it could collapse at the Fook power plant. It will be the first highly radiated facility at the plant to be taken apart. That should be exciting. The stack going up, um, no, with a diameter of 10 feet was used for both the number one and number two reactors. TEPCO plans to remove the upper half of the chimney to prevent the structure from collapsing. 
It'll be conducted by remote control. Why? Because the radiation level around the base of the chimney is the highest among all outdoor areas of the plant. Exposure to radiation at the base can cause death in several hours. Let's go up. Let's go up top. Vapors with radioactive substances were sent through the chimney to the outside following the uh, pressure increase, following the uh, tsunami and the uh, explosion in two thousand eight years ago now. TEPCO also found fractures in steel poles supporting the chimney. The damage was likely caused by a hydrogen explosion at the number one reactor building when the nuclear disaster was unfolding. Hey, those hydrogen explosions can't hurt you. Since then, the chimney has been left unrepaired because of the high radiation levels. 10 sieverts per hour right after the accident was a level observed around the base of the chimney. Two per hour was recorded there four years ago. TEPCO will use a large crane that will hold special equipment to cut the chimney in round slices from the top. You know, like pastrami. (laughs) And radioactive fallout from nuclear meltdowns and weapons testing is nestled in glaciers around the world. Warning, scientists say, of a potentially hazardous time bomb as rising temperatures melt the icy, icy residue. For the first time, according to Agence France Presse, an international team of scientists has studied the presence of nuclear fallout in ice surface sediments on glaciers across the Arctic, Iceland, the Alps, Caucasus Mountains, British Columbia, and Antarctica. It found man-made radioactive material at all 17 sites, often at concentrations at least hot, uh, 10 times higher than levels elsewhere. You, these are some of the highest levels you see in the environment outside nuclear exclusion zones. When it is released into the atmosphere, it falls to the earth as acid rain, some of it absorbed by plants and soil. But when it falls as snow and settles in the ice, it forms heavier sediment, which collects in glaciers, concentrating the nuclear residue. Of course, Chernobyl released vast clouds of radioactive material, like cesium, into the atmosphere. Acid rain among other things. Radioactive particles are very light, so when they're taken up into the atmosphere, they can be transported a very long way. When it falls as rain, like after Chernobyl, it washes away, and it's sort of a one-off event. But as snow, it stays in the ice for decades, and as it melts in response to the climate, it's then washed downstream. Like now we see wild boar meat in Sweden, found to contain more than 10 times the safe levels of cesium. It's the gift that keeps on giving, don't you know? So, um, lots of news about (laughs) President Trump this week. The um, Republican chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, that's in the Senate, which is majority Republican, issued a subpoena for the testimony of the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., uh, supposedly to uh, find out more about that meeting at Trump Tower where contrary to what the media tells you, the Russians didn't promise dirt on Hillary Clinton. An intermediary for a Russian concert promoter, a music publicist by the name of Rob Goldstone, said he kind of made up the notion of Russians having dirt on Hillary Clinton because he was obligated to just do what he could to get Americans to this meeting with a Russian lawyer, uh, Ms. Veselnitskaya, 
who basically wanted to discuss getting rid of the Magnitsky Act, which was full of sanctions on Russian oligarchs. The uh, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler of New York, got his committee to uh, vote this week to uh, hold Attorney General Bill Barr in contempt. A lot of members still call him Bob Barr because there was a congressman by that name 10 years ago. Bill Barr in contempt, I say, for refusing to uh, come and testify because the committee wanted him to be questioned not only by members but uh, by people who weren't asleep, that is to say, lawyers on the staff of the committee, and he refused. There was a story late in the week that Rudy Giuliani, the president's TV lawyer, was going to Ukraine to push for the renewal of an investigation into uh, companies in which Joe Biden's son, the one who's still alive, um, Hunter, has a stake in uh, that company. Um, Then the news became public after this uh, planned trip got into the news. The news became public that that trip is not happening. It's canceled. No explanation from a White House which doesn't hold briefings anymore. God, do I miss those. Not as much as I miss this episode of The Presidentess. But I don't have to miss it, and neither do you. This week... For the first time, the team has actually built a wall, the stone wall against Congress. And for the businessman turned chief executive, the goal now is keep the wall standing. Lindsay. Yes, sir. The only longtime bachelor on my Congress team. Nelly <laughs> is charged, sir. So, Lindsay, you're a reasonable guy. You know what's what and who's who? Well, I think I can tell which way the wind's blowing, Mr. President. Yeah, I think it's blowing up the back of your trousers, but that's none of my business, right? (laughs) No, sir. Or, view it another way, yes, sir. So look, Lindsay, first I say, get a nickname or something that's got more oomph to it than Lindsay. I mean, that sounds like one of those guys who used to hang around stage doors after Broadway shows back when I was... Still playing footsie with the concrete workers. You don't want to even know about that. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, I'll work on the nickname angle. I mean, people tried calling me LG for a while, but it just sounded like they were on the phone ordering a cheap flat screen. Yeah, well, they won't be making those in China anymore, believe me. Yeah, probably moving the plant to Vietnam as we sit here. You know what? We can slap tariffs on them, too. Pay them back for that stupid war. Mm-hmm. So look, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. This, uh... So-called intelligence committee in the Senate is uh, trying to subpoena my son, Don. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrible thing, sir. See, my old legal team, they were always into this deal of let's give them everything and everyone and we'll get brownie points for cooperation. Well, that wasn't the best strategy for you, in my personal opinion. Well, that's a lot of... I sure didn't earn you any brownie points for Mr. Mahler. What are you talking about? He totally exonerated me. Those aren't brownies. They're like uh, full-on Girl Scouts. Nothing better than that. Although, bet you think Boy Scouts are better. Sir, nothing I like more than this time I spend with you, but uh, I got a Judiciary Committee meeting to chair. Okay, uh, okay, listen. Here's your task for this week. mm -hmm. Your so-called colleagues on the lesser half of Congress, the, uh, the, uh... The House. Right. 
Sounds like a development in Manhasset. So, uh, they're holding my people in contempt. Totally wrong use of the contempt power, sir. I think I told you that before. Or maybe I just dreamed I told you. So, your job is to get a bill passed to let me hold Congress in contempt. Never been done before, right? In all honesty, sir, I don't think I've ever even... (laughs) heard of such a thing. How they would... think it's such a big deal to hold the great Bill Barr or even Don McGann, who I never liked, in contempt because they don't like them not showing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we issue BS subpoenas to Schiff, and you know what I really call him, and Nadler, who's such a lightweight a Kleenex could knock him over. Mm-hmm. They don't show up over here. We hold them in contempt. Game over. Trump wins. Can you do it? Well, we probably could get it through the Senate. Well, my friend Mitch can get legalized prostitution through the Senate. Not sure we could get a Democrat House to go along. You don't think they would have liked their precious Obama to have had this power? Oh, I guess, but... They still like you, Mitch. They don't like so much. (laughs) So you can do this, right? I'd be a fool to say I can't, sir. You got that right. Don Jr. Dad? Here's what I need you to know first of all. There's no team more important to me than the family team. I know that, Dad. The rest of these pishers, they're making new mooks every minute, believe me. After Barron, I'm through making more Trumps. I'm still amazed that a Republican subpoenaed me. Don't they get it? You run the party now. I mean, ten minutes at your next rally in this burg, I will have more death threats than Louis Farrakhan at a B'nai B'rith dinner. Nah, not gonna go that way. Mm. We're going to do nice. I like doing nice sometimes. Throws everybody off, right? <laughs> so look, here's your next task. Mm-hmm. You're going to go on a little trip. Oh, Dan, I, I really can't go with Rudy to Ukraine. The man wears more cologne than... That trip's off. Somebody blabbed. We'll find out who, and that somebody will be sued like a dog. Now, but your trip is a terrific special trip. You'll be appearing before Congress... Great, but I thought... The African National Congress, the Congress Party Convention in India, the World Sports Congress. Uh, Okay, doing what? Showing everybody that you're not in contempt of Congress. You'll go to a dozen Congresses. You'll go to they run out of Congresses. You're not scared to speak to a Congress. Where's the freaking contempt? (laughs) But those Congresses haven't subpoenaed me. Don't be so sure. That we're working on right now. Some of them don't know how. But they will, believe me. So can you do it? Sure. I, I, I guess, guess I can. I mean, <laughs> what am I going to speak about? Anything you want, knucklehead. It's your gig. Get a couple writers. Do some shtick. Talk about your hunting exploits. That's the other brother. Hey, I got a lot on my mind here. So, you're not going to let me down, are you? Dad, have I ever? No. That was the other brother. I'll go pack. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make contempt great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentus. This week, you can't not watch. And now, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. A week of just a week after she was elected president of the National Rifle Association, after a bitter and public power struggle over the organization's leadership, 
They got rid of Oliver North. Can't say they never did anything good. Carolyn Meadows apologized for saying one of the leading proponents for gun control in Congress only won her election because, quote, she's a minority female, unquote. In a statement to the Washington Post, Meadows apologized to Reverend Representative Lucia Lucy McBath of Georgia for her comments, which she said were insensitive and inappropriate. Meadows drew sharp criticism after she told her hometown newspaper that McBath's stance on gun control, gun control was not the reason for her victory in 2018. That didn't have anything to do with it, she said in an interview with the Marietta, Georgia Daily Journal. It had to do with being a minority female. Deadline Nicosia Cyprus, Cyprus' new police chief this week, apologized over the handling of the country's serial killer case. Who knew amid accusations of negligent police work that may have allowed the suspect to claim more victims? Kipros Mikialidis offered the apology, thank you, to the families of seven foreign women and girls who an army captain has confessed to killing. He said police had failed to protect the victims, adding that those who failed to properly investigate their disappearances will be held accountable. We fully understand the public's reaction. We'll do whatever is humanly possible to restore the ground we lost, to restore the public's trust in the police, Mikulidi said. Last week, the president of Cyprus fired Mikulidi's predecessor, while the justice minister resigned amid strong criticism that the police properly failed to properly investigate initial missing persons reports that could have tracked down the suspect before he could kill again. Of all the twists and turns on Game of Thrones, ugh, most recent episodes. <laughs> the most striking one for most of the internet was the appearance of an out-of-place cup of Starbucks coffee. According to an executive producer on the show, Bernie Caulfield, the offending cup was a simple mistake. We're sorry, he said in an interview with WNYC Radio, which carries this program. If that's the worst thing you're finding, then we're in good shape, he said. He said the gaffe is rare for the show since it's proper people and decorators are so, you know, so on it a thousand percent. There's no word from HBO on whether the company will update the episode to remove the misplaced Starbucks cup. The cups can still be seen on HBO's streams of the episode. No, 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 don't go all go now, now. Don't go there now. Come on. There's still more, ten more minutes of this. Deadline Jacksonville, Florida, Miami Air International. International, I say, the charter airline whose Boeing 737 made an emergency landing at Naval Air Station Jacksonville last week is offering passengers $2,500 for their inconvenience. In a letter, Miami Air apologized to the 136 passengers on board the flight when it arrived from Guantanamo Bay and slid off the runway into the St. John's River. The airline also vowed to return their luggage, but not to... Uh, ring it out. An employee for the city of Dearborn, Michigan, that's near Detroit, apologized this week through his attorney for a Facebook post he wrote that was seen as bigoted against Arabs. Bill Larian, he works as a surveyor for the city, referred to a Muslim model, Halima Aden, as a camel in a comment he wrote on a story about Aden appearing in Sports Illustrated's swimsuit issue wearing a Muslim burkini. He feels bad about it, said his lawyer. It's a horrible mistake. He feels awful and great embarrassment. Very childish and stupid. He apologized, said the lawyer. He expressed remorse. It's clearly out of character for him. 
remarks sparked outrage in Dearborn, which just happens to be more than 46% Arab American, some calling for him to be reprimanded. The city mayor says the city has zero tolerance for such remarks. The BBC has fired Danny Baker. He was uh, on a talk station owned by the BBC Radio 5 Live. The BBC says he showed a serious error of judgment. Danny Baker tweeted about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's new baby. He later deleted it, but it's been circulated on social media. It showed an image of a fancily dressed couple holding hands with a chimpanzee dressed in clothes with the caption, Royal Baby Leaves Hospital. He was accused of mocking the Duchess's interracial heritage. Baker claimed it was a stupid gag. BBC said, His tweet goes against the values we aim to embody. Danny's a brilliant broadcaster, but will no longer be presenting a weekly show for us. After tweeting his apology, which he called in which he called the tweet a stupid, unthinking gag pick, said Baker, the BBC's decision was a masterclass of pompous faux gravity. It took a tone that said I actually meant that ridiculous tweet. Literally threw me under the bus. Could hear the suit's knees knocking. He said, sorry, my gag pick of the little fellow in the posh outfit has whipped some up. Never occurred to me because, well, mind not diseased. As soon as those good enough to point out its possible connotations got in touch, down it came, and that's it. Would have used same stupid pick for any other royal birth, or Boris Johnson kid, or even one of my own. It's a funny image, though not, of course, in that context. Enormous mistake, for sure, grotesque. Anyway, here's to you, Archie. Sorry, mate. He said of the tweet, ill-advised, ill-thought-out, and stupid, but racist. No, I'm aware how delicate that imagery is. Uh, Twenty years ago, he was fired for encouraging football fans to make a referee's life hell. He later claimed he hadn't incited fans to attack the referee. Only he would have understood if they had. Comedian Nick DiPaolo has apologized for a provocative Photoshop promotion for his new comedy special. It featured DiPaolo, DiPaolo giving the middle finger to a group of protesters that included a murdered black activist. A prominent Black Lives Matter activist who was shot and killed last year while riding a bicycle in New Orleans. DiPaolo Explained the placement was inadvertent. I did not know that, as I found it online in stock photos. Looking into changing it as we speak. My apologies. <laughs> that is a comedian. A sex toy that was banned from this year's Consumer Electronics Show after winning an Innovation Award has been given the prize again. Four months later, the O's Robotic Vibrator was originally given the prize in January. However, the Consumer Technology Association quickly changed its mind and ousted the device, causing outrage. The organization has now offered a sincere apology to Laura DiCarlo, who created the vibrator. The organization was accused of gender bias at the time. And one more BBC-related apology. American right-wing commentator and Quote, cool kids philosopher, unquote. Ben Shapiro stormed out of a contentious BBC interview this week after accusing the conservative host, Andrew Neal, of being a leftist. Just pre-taped an interview with BBC's AF Neal. As I'm not familiar with him or his work, I misinterpreted his antagonism as political leftism. 
He termed the pro-life position in America barbaric, and that was apparently inaccurate. For that, I apologize, he said. Shapiro said at the time, the whole thing was a waste of time, and he didn't give a damn what Neil thought of him, declaring, I'm not inclined to continue an interview with someone as badly motivated as you. We're done here. Shapiro ended up tweeting, he had been destroyed by Neil. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. That's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week, same time on these radio stations, whenever you want it, on your other audio device of choice. Like that Google thing, that Alexa thing. They're so cool. They're so now. And it would be just like being now if you'd agree to join with me then, would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh-huh. To the show, Chapeau, to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this thing, IDing the music you hear here and giving you a chance to get your Cars I Talk t-shirts, all at harryshare.com. And I'm on Twitter at the TheHarryShare. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans' flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.